This ministry has been made available by Kenneth Higgins Rama Bible Training Center, Nigeria. We're going to continue along the line of, of, of uh, Satan's attack against uh, our will. And, uh, you know, we're, we're instructed in the scripture to draw nigh to God. And God will draw nigh to us. So there again, we see in that, just in that one verse of scripture, you can see the importance of the choice you make. Draw nigh to God. That's a choice we have. But yet God says if you'll do that, he'll draw nigh to you. So it is a submission of the will. It's what it is. Draw nigh to God. Now any time that a person operates in faith, they are, they are drawing nigh near to God. And God is near to them. Of course, God lives on the inside of us. So we see then that, that uh, everything that God has uh, for us as, ch- as his children, all of, the, all of the, uh, the actual reception of those things, it goes right back to what I have been willing to do in submission to God by drawing near or nigh unto him. Well, no, you do that in a number of ways. You draw nigh to God through your prayer, praying, through the word, through your praise, and all of the, some, well, really all of the things that we've mentioned here uh, in the first session. When you do that, keep in mind that what you're doing is you're drawing nigh or near unto God. Keep in mind what God's doing. He's doing the same toward you. So you see, we're, we're, we're operating in a lifestyle that keeps us, keeps us going closer here, and God keeps getting closer here, if you understand how I mean that. Now, God's on the inside of us. It's not like God's in heaven, and, you know, and, and, uh, you know, and we're singing the song, Come by here, Lord, come by here, and, uh, because he is here. But, but we're drawn more into his presence. You know, you can, God's in us, but, but God, God's presence, you know, we can draw into the presence of God. So let's go back and look at a few things that we've said here in the first session. And I, I will, you'll find that I will repeat myself many times. Uh, that's basically the way we, we learn is by repetition. And so that's, that's the way, uh, that's the way, uh, That's the way I like to do it. Now, what do we mean when we refer to the will of an individual? It is the faculty of deliberate action centered in the soul of that person. Keeping in mind, once again, things that you know and have been taught, that man is a triune being. He is a spirit, he or she. Uh, Man is a spirit, Uh, he lives in a body, and he has a soul. So we, we, we're dealing with the soul of man and how important that the, uh, the soul is because uh, that's where all deliberate choices and decisions concerning God are, are is centered in the soul. And so it's very, very important then that we understand that in, in it, in the soul, is the God-given authority of choosing one's own actions. I can choose to live by faith or I can choose not to live by faith. 
And so in the soul of man, it, it, is, uh, it, is, uh, it is a God-given authority of choosing one's own actions. And as I said earlier, it is the dominant force of the human soul, your will, what you will to do, what you will do, what you will not do. It all comes out of the, uh, of the action in the soulish realm. And so the will is sovereign. The will of man is sovereign to such an extent that God will not violate it. Simply, we're simply saying that God will not make us do anything. If God, and you, you understand, if God were making people do anything, the first thing he would make them do was to receive Christ as their Savior if, if he were making them. So we see that he's not. And so uh, the will is, is sovereign to that, that extent. Now, let's look in Psalm, the 145th Psalm. Psalm 145. And uh, let's, let's look again at, at these verses of Scripture that has the will of man involved in it. Psalm 45, verses 1 and 2. I will extol thee, my, my God, O King. I will bless thy name forever and ever. Every day will I bless thee, and I will praise thy name forever and ever. So there again we see, there, we see all these things listed in those two verses of Scripture that the, uh, the psalmist penned here of what he would do. And so he said, I will extol thee, my God. Well, we, we do that when we praise God. Uh, when, when we're giving praise to God, actually also in giving thanks to God, we're extolling God. And then he, again, he says, I will bless his name forever and ever. And so when you think about the name of, of the Lord, the name of Jesus, you have to think, uh, well, you have to, or we should, we should think of a name uh, in three, in three, his name in three realms. There is, there is, his name is the highest name in heaven. His name is the highest name on the earth. And his name is the highest name beneath the earth. So the name of Jesus. Now why does his name carry that? Is because all authority has been invested in that name from the Father to Jesus because of the way he conducted his life as a man, as an apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, and then how he conducted himself as the sacrifice, as the Lamb of God. And so that, 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 that in itself caused God to say, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And so his name, and the psalmist said, I will extol his name. His name, there's, there is no higher name in heaven. There's no higher name in the earth, no higher name beneath the earth, nor is there any name that has the authority and power of the name of Jesus. So we ought to, we ought to think a lot along these lines when we say, uh, I ask, you know, we end our prayers and I, and I pray or I ask this in the name of Jesus. Think about the authority that you are using. Actually, what we have, we have power of attorney to use his name. And so when I use his name because he has given us power of attorney, then it's just as though he is using his name when you, when you have power of attorney. But 
you won't really realize the full effect of that until you realize the greatness of his name. That his name is above anything that has a name. His name is above sickness, it's above disease, it's, it's above, above lack and need, it's above poverty. His name is above worry, his name is above anxiety, his name is above, you name it, his name is above, above it. Every name that's named, he has this name that, that is above, simply meaning he has authority over everything that has a name. And so we know that, uh, we, know that we have this uh, power of attorney to use his name. All of this, when you stop to think about it, all of this goes into our life of faith. And so the psalmist says, I will extol thee, my God. So we ought to make a, we ought to make a daily practice, uh, uh, you know, a deliberate, conscious choice of praising God every day and not just waiting until God does something good in our life. We ought to praise God every day, live a, live a life of praise. And uh, then he said, and I will bless thy name forever, understanding the authority that is in his name. When I use the name of Jesus in faith and by faith, I use the name of Jesus, then I am using that authority. Then he said, every day will I bless thee. So that, don't, that means that we don't just bless him when we come to church. We bless him every day of our lives. Every day, he says, I will bless thee. And then he makes the statement, and I will praise thy name forever and forever. So actually what he's saying, I'm in it for the long run. I'm in it for the long haul. You know, I'm going to do it every day of my life. And then these are, these are, I don't think they're simple things, but these are things that if we will concentrate on doing and realize that we are, we, we are incorporating our faith in all of these things, then, uh, then it, becomes, it becomes much easier, I believe that it does at least, it becomes much easier then to live the life of faith that the Bible teaches us to live. The just shall live by faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. And uh, all of the, the things in faith that it, that it talks about there in the Bible. So all of this is expressed through deliberate actions uh, initiated in the command center of human actions, and that is the will. All of us in here to, today, we got one. <laughs> we have a will. We sure do. Now, Paul, in his writings in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 9, verse 7, uh, here, here we read, now he, he goes into this, uh, this is a scripture that's often, so often used about giving, but I just want to use this in, to, to make a point. Every man, this is 2 Corinthians 9 verse 7, every man according as he purposes, or every man according as he purposes, every man according as he chooses, Every man according as he exercised his will, his, his, his will. Every man. And, it's, and so he says, every man according as he purposes in his heart. So we know this, that living by faith has to be done on purpose. And, and incorporating the things that's involved in a life of faith has to be done on purpose. They don't just happen without uh, us having a having purposed that this is the way I'm going to do my life. This is the way I'm going to live my life. So Paul talks about it in this verse of scripture. Every man according as he purposes 
in his heart. Now he's talking about giving here, but, but my point in saying this to you is to point out to us the involvement of our will in purposing. And, and there again, we're linking our will with our, with our actions or our faith. And he said, uh, then, uh, let me find my place here. He says, uh, and he said, uh, we're, we're not to do it grudgingly. Now, he's talking about giving, but, but I want to I kind of share it with you this way. We should not, we should not begrudge or grudging, uh, grudgingly uh, because we feel like we're being made to do something that we don't want to do. Every man as he purposes. So God's not making us live a life of faith, but he is inviting us to come and live a life of faith with him so that he can what? So that man can receive from God what God purchased for man in the redemption act that, that Jesus consummated when he was raised up from the dead. And so God wants us to have that. It doesn't matter who we are, doesn't matter where we are, uh, God wants you to have it because it would be, I think, it would be, it would not be fair to Jesus for him to have paid the price to make all of these things that God wanted us to have uh, make it happen. It wouldn't be fair to Jesus if God said then, well, you can't, you can't, you can't have that if you have purposed in your heart to live a life of faith. So God's not going to withhold. All, all of the promises of God are yes and amen, yea and amen. So we know that, that, that in honor to Jesus, God's not going to withhold anything that Jesus purchased with his blood and his body at Calvary. God is not going to withhold anything that he purchased if I purpose in my heart to live a life of faith and to incorporate his word into my mind so that my mind becomes renewed so that my mind is in line with the word of God. And so it's effort on our part, purposing. Every man as he purposes in his heart, let him give, not grudgingly. God doesn't want us to do anything grudgingly uh, that he has asked us to do. He wants us to do that with meekness and willingness and with thanksgiving and with praise and all of the things we've talked about, that's how God wants us to behave and how he wants us to act as his children, that we're happy to praise God. We are, we're, we're happy to do these things. So we're not grudgingly doing any of those things that, that he talks about. Not grudgingly are of necessity. In other words, don't wait until you, until you, you are, you know, got your back to the wall between a rock and a hard place, and, and then you decide, you know, I better get on the ball here. No, he doesn't want you to wait. He, he, he wants you to do it every day, not out of necessity, but, but do it willingly out of a love that you have for him. And so we know then that God not only loves us, but that God also, we are also instructed in the scriptures that we are to love God. How are we to love God? With all of our, come on, talk to me now. With all of our heart, all of our mind, all of our soul, with all of our strength, 
and with all that is within us. That's how we are to love God. Where's he taken us? He's taken us down the road to a life of faith. And, and what, 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 what is the end result of this life of faith? Is that God will withhold no good thing from them that walk uprightly before him. So you then, we then as his children really are highly favored, uh, uh, have the favor of God. Amen. So according as he purposes in his heart, which is the command center of his human action. Now, I, I quoted, we did earlier in the other session, we quoted Isaiah 119, but I want to read, quote it again. If you be willing, and again, I'm, I'm, I might be, uh, I might be overemphasizing this, but I, really I don't think that we could po probably overemphasize it. If you be willing, but, that, but now, now there's something else that's added in here. If you are willing and obedient. Well, if you get willing, you're probably going to get obedient if you're willing. If you be what? Willing and obedient, what will happen for you? You'll eat the good of the land. In other words, what's he talking? You'll eat the good that God has provided for you through Christ. Amen. He'll make you the head, not the tail. You'll be above and not beneath. You'll be blessed coming in. You'll be blessed going out. What, what else does it say? Huh? Come on, preachers. What? You'll be above and not beneath. Blessed in the basket. Blessed in the store. Amen. Now think about it, folks. Blessed coming in and going out. Amen. You go in to bless and when you leave, you're blessed. Lord, have mercy. Blessed coming in. Blessed, go, blessed going out. You're the head and you're not the tail. See, this, this is the goodness of God. If you are willing and obedient. Where does willingness start? Starts in your soul. Often the Bible does refer to it as the heart. But you, it, it, it's located in the soul. And so that's where your willingness starts. Now, how do you get your soul uh, in this position? How do you get it located there? What do you have to do? Yeah. What, whatever you said, that, that got to be right. You are engrafting. You are engrafting. Isn't that right? So what are you doing? You're getting your soul willing, strengthened, ready to receive what? The good of the land. Amen. And so, and, and, and uh, we understand this about faith. Faith, faith in its natural uh, workings is not instant. Faith in its natural workings is a progression. Faith always has a progression to it. And uh, so the first progression when you, start, when you think about faith is this. Think about a seed Think about a seed. For all of God's promises are in the seed. Well, now what's the seed? Well, Luke 8, I believe it is, 11 says, the parable is this, the seed is the word of God. Well, actually that's when Jesus was teaching on the uh, parable of the sower. So, so he said the parable is this, the seed is the word of God of God. So everything that God has to give me is in the seed. Is in the seed. Now God first, God first talked about the seed 
and we're talking about faith, God first talked about the seed in Genesis chapter 3, the 15th verse, after Adam and Eve had, uh, had fallen. But, but God made this statement. He said, because you have done this thing, he said, the seed is coming that you will bruise his head, uh, you will, uh, he will bruise your head, but he'll bruise your heel. But now here's the point I'm bringing to you. He said, the seed is coming. Now that, 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 that came out of God's mouth. And if it comes out of God's mouth, it has to happen. It, it, we know it, it, it is the truth. And we know it's not a lie or an untruth or non or not a truth. And so he, 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 he spoke it out. He said, the seed is coming. Jesus was in those words. Jesus was in that seed. And so we know then that uh, that seed had to be planted, you know, to get him here physically, naturally. But, but faith, back to my thought on faith, faith is a progression. First, you think about the seed. And then, then uh, he illustrates it like this in the gospel. He said, uh, then after you plant the seed, then you get the blade. Then after you get the blade, you get the, uh, the ear. And then you get the what? The full corn in the ear. And then you get what? Then you get the harvest. What do you see? Seed, progression, results. So faith has a, a, a progression that it works in. Faith doesn't work until we plant the seed. We plant the seed how? With our words and with our actions. That's how we plant the seed. We plant, our, we plant the seed with our obedience. We plant the seed with our willingness. We plant the seed when we make these right choices and decisions using our will to do that. So we, are, we, we plant the seed. Now what's in the seed? Everything that God has promised to us through Christ, in Christ, and by Christ. Everything that he purchased is in the seed. So that means that every blessing, every good thing is in the seed of his word. So what do I have to be willing to do? I have to be willing to plant the seed with my words and with my lifestyle and with my action. Because when I plant it, the seed will have a progression. And so inside that seed then is everything that God has provided for me and you and all of his children has provided for us in Christ. So we, we, don't, we, don't, we don't ever think about it when we plant the seed and, you know, and 30 minutes later we get the harvest. I mean, that'd be nice, you know. But we, that, that's not the way it works. So, so faith always has this progression. I've got to plant the seed. I've got to water the seed. I've got to, with my praises, with my thanksgiving and so forth, and I've got to understand that some patience has got to work in here with, with, with me somewhere. So I've got to be willing to be patient. And so patient, patience just simply is uh, just uh, realizing that because God said it, I believe I have it, that I, and I believe I have received it, but now we got it working in the ground and it's going to come up and it's going to, going to progress. So we see then seed, when he's talking about seed, uh, everything that God has given us is in the seed. And faith then, he said, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed. In other words, he's, he's telling us that in a seed, 
there, there is something that, it, that he has put inside every seed. I mean, if you got a bean seed, you ain't going to get an apple out of it. He put something in every seed. Every seed has something that God has placed in that seed that has to go through a, a process or a progression for it to come up and come out. But first, the seed has to be what? It has to be planted. Now, who, who plants the seed? We plant the seed. And so before we plant the seed, what do we have to do? We have to make a conscious, deliberate decision. I'm going to plant the seed of God's word in my life. However he tells me to plant it, I'm going to plant it. I'm making a conscious decision by an act of my will to plant the seed of his word. And everything you could ever think. God is able to do what? Exceedingly, abundantly, above. All that we can what? Think or ask. All of that's in the seed. God can give you a harvest out of his seed. It'll blow your mind. Because he's God. And so we see then that, 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 that faith then is a seed that is planted. It's a seed that is watered. We add patience and waiting for the full manifestation of the harvest to come into the material realm. But by our faith, we are, we are saying and talking like we already have it. Because God, we know God said it and we know God will do it, you see, when we have our faith in the right, right place. So uh, here, here, according as he purposes, our wills in this verse of scripture. Now we're actually, we went, we're in Isaiah one nineteen. For if ye be willing and what? Obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. I was, t I was uh, teaching one time and I was using the word shall and will. And uh, uh, you know, I didn't even know what a linguist was, but uh, I later found out that in some ways a linguist is someone who, who studies words. So this lady came up to me after I had been teaching along when God uses the word shall or will, the reason that those words are used is because you cannot use a stronger assertion uh, in, in, in when, when God, God could not use a stronger assertion when he says, I will or I shall. He can, there's no other phrases that he can use uh, uh, it, it, that would express uh, the certainty of what he would do when he says, I will, I will, I shall. And so when, when God uses those phrases, talking to you from the scripture, that he can make no stronger assertion or guarantee to you, I will do what I told you or tell you that I'll do, I will do it. And so those two words, uh, when you read them in the Bible, think along those lines. And so here in Isaiah 119, if you be willing and obedient, what shall you, you shall eat the good of the land. The good of the land. Everybody said the, the good. The good, yeah. <laughs> the good of the land. You know, that's with a good Nashville accent there. The good of the land. So God not only looks for 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 the gift from people, 
but, but equally as much, he looks for the willing heart. He looks for a willing heart. God wants you to be willing. He wants us to be willing, willing to love him with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our strength, and all that is within when us. So here, herein, and all of this that I've said and repeated myself so often, all of this being said, herein lies, I believe, the sole reason why Satan is after your will. That Satan wants to destroy, weaken, and cause your will to be totally, where God's concerned, to be totally just uh, dissipated. And that's, that, that is because, I think, because Satan knows once you make up your mind with a willing heart and you are, you are willing and you are obedient, Satan knows it's over. He, 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 you know, he can, uh, he can, he, can he, he knows then that, uh, that he, he's not been able to defeat you. He's not been able to deprive you. He's not been able to defeat you. He's not been able to do that. You see, when you make that deliberate, I will, that deliberate submission out of a willing heart of love for God. Not because that he gave you uh, some material blessing, but simply because he's God and he is your father. And you love him because of who he is, not what he well, outside of Christ and what he's done there, but not because of things. You love him because of who he is. And listen, he, he, he's not opposed to you having things, but he is opposed to you loving the things more than you love him. We know that. We, we understand that. Amen. All righty. So herein then we can see why Satan attacks the person's will. He doesn't want God to have any pleasure in his children. And so that's why in Hebrews, the 11th chapter, 6th verse says, without, without uh, faith, it's impossible to please him. Another place, another place he said, we're not of those who, who, who draw, draw, draw back. Uh, but he said, in, in, and then another place he said, in, in whom he would have no pleasure. That didn't mean he wouldn't love, love, love us, but God, God wants, he wants the pleasure. We pleasure God when we love him. We pleasure God when we submit to him. We pleasure him when we're willing. We pleasure him when we're praising him and thanking him for who he is. So all of this, again, goes to the will of, of, of the person. Now, over in Romans, the seventh chapter, turn over there with me. We'll read uh, out of the New American, uh, uh, not quite out of the King James or maybe what the translation you might have. But Romans chapter 7, verses 21 through 23. The Apostle Paul I find then the principle that evil is present in me. The one who wants to do good. For I joyfully concur with the law of God in the inner man. But I see a different law in the members of my body waging war against the law of my mind. Now notice this. Waging war against the law of the mind, of my mind. That's where your will is at. And making me a prisoner of the law of sin, which is in my, my members. So there's, there's a war, there's a struggle going on. You remember Paul told Timothy, he said, fight the good fight of faith. That's not only, that's, that's not just pertaining to the devil, that's pertaining 
that's pertaining the war that goes on between the flesh and, and the soul. And Paul's talking about that war that he is, that he's, that he is uh, engaged in there. So the war that is waged against the law of the mind is, is a war against our will. See, you have to recognize all these things. If you don't, you know, uh, you, can, you can easily kind of get off a little bit, you know, and not understand what's going on. So submission to God is found in the will of man. We've said that. So remembering that the previous statement, the war that is waged against the law of the mind is a war against our will. Now, the body comes into play there as, as well. So Paul said that he joyfully, in that verse we read, he said he joyfully concurred with the law of God after the inner man. Now keep in mind, the inner man is your spirit and your soul. You know, that's, that's the inner man. And so Paul said, I joyfully concur with the law of God uh, after, the, uh, after the inner man. Now, uh, I hope I'm drilling this in you uh, right good here. The inner man, the spirit of man is born again. It's born of God. Your spirit has in it what God, who God is. If you, were, if you were asked to define God, I would say God, God is all of these nine things. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, meekness, and temperance. You've got that in your spirit. Your soul then has to be brought in line with that. In other words, it, it, has, to, it has to be brought to the place that, that it is submitted to uh, to what's in your spirit. God is in your spirit. You're born of the spirit of God. So the soul has to be brought to the place where it is willingly submitted to the God that is in your spirit. So, so you're willingly submitted to love, to joy, to peace, to long-suffering, to gentleness, to goodness, to faithfulness, to meekness, and to temperance. But the mind there's a war that goes on. Your flesh puts, puts pressure on your mind. The temptations of the flesh, the lust of the flesh, all of that will put pressure on the will of man or put pressure on your mind or the will of or the will. It put pressure on your submission to God. It puts pressure on there. So there's a war going on in there. But here Paul, Paul says, how did he say? He said, I joyfully. He said, it's a joy. I joyfully. Let me read it for you. He said, uh, what did he say? He said that he would, uh, where am I at here? Uh, yeah. He said that, that he would uh, joyfully, it was over here in, uh, in the seventh uh, chapter of the book of Rome. He said he joyfully uh, uh, concurred with the law of God in the inner man. So we see then that the war is waged against the law of the mind and it is a law against the exercising of our will toward God. And we see then that, that Paul, as I've said, he said he joyfully concurred with the law of God after the inner man. Now he says in the Ephesian letter, chapter 3, Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 16, Paul says it like this. He says that he would grant you, that God would grant you, Ephesians three sixteen that God would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might 
by his spirit in the inner man. Now, I want you to think about something there. That, that we would be strengthened by his might in, in, the, uh, in the inner man. Is that, what, is that how it read? Let me, let me. We be, would be strengthened with what? With might by his spirit. By his spirit in the inner man. Now, Jesus made this statement. He said, the words that I speak to you, they are, they are spirit. And they are life. And so, so he said that, that he would be strengthened in his spirit. In the, be strengthened in the inner man by the, by the spirit of God. So how's God gonna, gonna, if his word is spirit then, and I'm gonna be strengthened in the inner man by his spirit, the more of the word that I can get in me, the more of the word that I can engraft into me, then the stronger then my inner man is gonna become. And so, you know, we've heard people pray over the years, uh, maybe you have, I know I have. I've heard, I've heard people pray, Lord, I'll just ask you to make me strong. Just, just make me stronger. Well, now God, God will do that, but, but he's got to have some cooperation. See, here's, here's something that we don't want to forget is that we are co-laborers together with God. God's working with us and we're working with God. In other words, God's not doing all of this totally without our cooperation without our willingness, God, we're working with God and God is working with us. We're co-laborers together. So the more of God's word, which, he, which Jesus said, the, the word is spirit and it's life. The more of the word that we can engraft into us, the more, more of the word that we can, can, can uh, you know, wash our brain, our, our mind with, the more we, we do that, then the stronger we're, we're becoming in the inner man. We're strengthened with his might. How did that go? Strengthened by, by, by his might in the inner man. So you, you can see then, it's, it's not just a religious thing that preachers are trying to get to folks to do. Read your Bible, read your Bible. You know, you need to read your Bible. Don't, don't look at it as a religious thing. Look at it as a strengthening thing that you're doing and sometime when the flesh is pulling you know you telling you to do something different and take not take as much time just remember what you're doing God is working with you to strengthen you in your inner man and so what Paul said then he come along and and his writing he said it this way he said I keep under my body or, or he said I I, I keep my body under, or I keep my body in control. I keep my body. Now, what's he talking about? I keep my body in check. What's he talking about? I keep the lust of the flesh. I, 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 I keep my authority over them. Because if I give in to them, I'm going to start to weaken in the inner man. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to lose my spiritual strength. But he said, I keep my body under, keep under my body. You know, lest, lest when I have preached to others, he said, I myself should be a castaway. And so what he's saying is my body is not going to tell me that I can't read the word when I want to read the word, that I can't pray when I, when I want to pray. So I'm saying, he, he's just simply saying the lust of the flesh will not dominate my life. And I'm not going to allow the lust of the flesh to keep me from engrafting into my inner man the things that's going to make me strong in the Lord, 
and in the power of his might. Amen. Isn't that what Paul tells us? He said, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Amen. So what's, what's that saying to you? It's saying that God is giving you his might. God is giving it to you. We had no might without God. We had no strength without God. We had no ability without God. We had no authority without God. But now what's God saying? Be strengthened by, by his, uh, how'd, how'd they go? With, by, with might. In, by his spirit in the inner man. Amen. So what's he saying? If you'll do these things, I'm going to give you my might. My might's going to rise up on the inside of you. My might's going to come to the forefront. My might's going to be there. And when I add my willingness to operate in faith, I have the might of God working with me now. Amen. And then as I said earlier, I, I can, once that gets all in here, I can say, no weapon then. No, no weapon. No weapon. It doesn't matter what Satan comes against you with. No weapon. No weapon. How many, how many things is left out of no weapon? Not anything left. Is it? No weapon. What? Quote it for. Come on, say it for. No weapon. No weapon formed against me. No weapon formed against me. Why? Why? That, see, that's not just a, just a, a good uh, statement that I'm making. I'm making it from a foundation of knowing this, that when God is strengthening me by his spirit, uh, with might, by, by his spirit in the inner man, God has given me his might. My words have some power. My actions have some power. My faith got some power in it. It's not, it's not weak, and I'm, I'm not over here just hoping I'm not over here just wishing. Uh uh, I got the I got the might of God working for me. I got the power of God at work working in me. Amen. And it doesn't matter what the devil has, it can't stand against the might of God. Isn't that right? He he Satan thought he had Jesus, didn't he, when he took him to the when he went to the cross. But if the rascal, if if Satan had known, the Bible says he would have never crucified the Lord of glory. And when Satan thought he had him down, the might of God. The might of God. There in the darkest, deepest place that Jesus had ever been, I'll tell you, he was quickened by God's spirit and raised up from the dead. Death couldn't hold him down. The might of God, death could not, it, it presented no challenge to the might of God. It presented no obstacle to the mouth of God, though, though he was dead and, uh, and was wrapped in the grave clothes, but, but death was no might against the might of God. Why? Because God, by the Spirit, did what? Raised him up. Raised him up from the dead. But now think about this. What, what Paul said in Ephesians. He said it this way. What is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe according the working of his mighty power when he what? Raised Jesus from the dead. That's the might. Everybody say with me, that's the might. That's the might that works. You see, when we're doing these things that we're talking about and, and, and our will is totally submitted and turned and, uh, to God, God's might is working for us. Amen. And no weapon can stand against the might of God. Now, see, we talk about a lifestyle of faith. We're not just talking about believing God for a pair of new shoes or, uh, or whatever. And that's okay. You know, praise God. God's interested in that. But we're, we're raising this up to the level of our lifestyle. 
in which God will truly give us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. Amen. All right. So uh, the Ephesian letter says it this way, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. So keep in mind, what, 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 does, uh, what comprises your inter, inner man is your spirit and your soul, giving us strength there. So thusly our will, that is the dominant force of our soul, which includes the mind, is the arena where the fight of faith is waged. The fight of faith is won or lost in the arena of the mind, as the battlefield is, is right, right up there on our shoulders, our head. There's where, you, where your fight of faith is concerned. That mind has to be brought into submission, subjection uh, under God, and it has to come out of there with a willingness, not grudgingly, but, but willingly, obeying and submitting to the things that God asks us to submit to. There is then where the might of God gets involved in our faith with us. Amen. And so I think sometimes people may think, and I'm not saying that you do, but, but people may think sometimes that, that confession is the only part of faith. Well, I'm saying all the right things, but are you doing all the right things? So, so confession is a vital part to say what we're supposed to say. And we are to have the confessions of God's word coming out of our mouth, but we're also to have uh, the actions of God, what God instructs us to do in our walk or in our daily, our daily walk with God. So you see, pe people who may think that confession alone, then they, they, got a, they, they got a slice of the pie, but they hadn't got the whole pie. And it's when you get the whole pie that these kinds of things of God's might really obviously begins to happen for, for his people. So faith, 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 the confessions of faith without a yielded will to comply with the known will of God becomes empty and non-productive. Now I'll say that for you again. That, that, that confessions, faith confessions without a yielded will to comply with the known will of God becomes empty and non-productive. So that's why sometimes you see people, they're saying the right things, but they're not getting the right thing, you see. Okay, and so, in other words, only saying it and not doing it produces no power in the spirit man. So I gotta be, what did James say? James, James puts all this together in one verse. What's he say? Be ye... That's right. Everybody quote it. Be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, you see. So we see he wraps that thing up in a package. And, and so we've learned about a proper confessions. Now James says, now do, be a doer of this word, of this, of this, uh, of, of this uh, thing that brings God's might to work with your faith. Be ye doers of the word and not hearers not hearers only. Amen. Now, let's, uh, uh, we, we quoted this scripture. I'm going to read it again. It's, but the human will, the human will derives its strength over Satan's assault on the will from the word of God alone. It cannot get strength any other place other than from the word of God. And the more knowledge that you have of the word of God, 
the better, the better you are put in a position, you see, to, uh, to have your faith work, uh, God's might working with your faith. So the human will derives its strength over Satan's assault against the will of man from the word of God alone. So now you can understand and see the importance of God, God's word. The importance of what? Reading it. The importance of what? Meditating. The importance of speaking it. And the importance of doing it. And you can see the importance of, of rejoicing. You see the importance of praising God. You see the importance of giving thanks to God. All of these things that we mentioned. You see, now you see how important that they really are. It's not just some religious tradition. It's not just some religious program or some religious action. It is something that we're doing. What's it doing? It's strengthening us in our inner man. And as we become strengthened in our inner man, the more the might of God is working in us and with us in our faith. And the more God becomes pleased. And the more God is willing to give uh, to whatever is in uh, the seed or in the promises of God. Amen. All right. So physical strength. Not human will can, cannot fight and win spiritual battles without the strength of God. The, the education by itself will not win the battle. Now we need to be, we, people, education is, is good in its place. But, 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 but education alone in the natural will not bring this kind of power to your life. But it's, it's okay to, you know, it's okay to get your education. But, but when we get it over here on, on God's side, God doesn't look at that. He, he, that's not what God looks at. What, what did I say? Physical strength cannot fight and win spiritual battles without the strength of God. Now, here's just a question. So we kind of locate ourselves here. Now, I know what will happen here. How many of you have ever been in a spiritual battle in your life. Well, that's probably all of us, isn't it? Isn't that everybody in here? Probably more than one time. So I want to say it again. Physical strength cannot fight and win spiritual battles without the strength of God. Now, if we can ever get that over to God's people, and, and many have already got up and gotten a hold of it, but if you, could get that, if you could get that throughout the body of Christ, I'm telling you, folks, we would see some things in... Uh, uh, and God's power in action and in manifestation that probably that none of us in this room have ever actually seen or experienced, perhaps. So we see then the, the importance of this scripture, Ephesians 3.16, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with, uh, with might by his spirit in the inner man. Hallelujah. So that makes, you, that makes you a spiritual warrior right down here on, on the earth. That you are a spiritual warrior, not just for yourself. Now you are in a position that you can be a help and a blessing to other people to help bring them up to the level that you have come up to. And so when we're strengthened on the inside in the spirit man, God's might, is, his glory is added in there. And now we're not just fighting 
you know, with, with human uh, weapons. You know, Paul said that the weapons of our warfare are not what? Not calm. You know, have you, ever, have you ever wished you could just hit the devil with your fist? You know, just, just get out there like Muhammad Ali, you know, and just. But we can't do that, can we? But boy, you can hit him with your spirit. You can hit him with the might of God. You can turn him upside down and roll him down the road like a bowling ball. A amen. To be strengthened, strong on the inside. Say, say it with me. I am strong in the Lord. And in the power of his mind. Now say it. I am strong in faith. And have a desire to walk by faith, to live by faith, and to receive by faith. Everything that God has for me, every purpose for my life, fulfilled in my life, and everything that God has called me to do will be accomplished and fulfilled by His might, by His power coming out of my inner man, and I will be a success, and I will finish my assignment. Amen. Can you... Can you believe that? I believe you can. I believe you can. Amen. So might, the word might in Ephesians 3.16, the word might is the word dunamis, or better translated, it is the word for spiritual strength, supernatural spiritual or supernatural strength. And then when he uses that word might, that is, that is supernatural strength. Amen. Praise God. Now you can go to the gym and you can work out you can get big, muscular like I am. That's what I thought you'd laugh at that. But you can get big, you know, and muscular like the, the folks who go to the gym and they, they you know, they, they, they pump the iron, you know, and they, they lift the weights. But I'll tell you what, you got a man on the inside. That that man is all built up. He don't even compare to this man on the inside, does he? Amen. Because we have what? Supernatural strength. Working with our faith. Do, you, do we understand that? That this has to work with our faith. And we play such a, 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 a great role, a, a large role in working together with God. Because that's, who he, that's where he wants us to be in this physical world in which we live. Amen. So we're strengthened with might. Supernatural strength by his spirit in the inner man. Now, here's something else that that, that, that uh, verse of scripture also pertains to. For more information and inquiries, please visit our website www.remanigeria.com or you can reach us on 08100163948 or 08076576163.